The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he bent me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If it's Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz. With me today, a former WWE superstar known as Top Dollar, former NFL player as well. He is Mr. AJ Francis. AJ, welcome. How you doing, bro? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So what's going on in your world? What have you been up to? A lot, man. A lot of stuff I can't talk about yet. Um, a lot of stuff that I'm working on that will become public. And when it does, people will remember that I was famous and doing a lot of things on television before I ever started wrestling. Uh, so I'm excited for what's coming up next. Um, a lot of major plays in order. And uh, also still wrestling, big fan of that, big fan of wrestling. Uh, you know, I got a uh, Magic City Pro Wrestling um, down in Miami, Florida on April 30th that I am uh, having a uh, rematch of the Sausage Castle Wrestling title, a title that I held for 210 days before I got to WWE. I uh, defended that title 20 times in seven different states, brought it on two different national television shows, no big deal. I want to know who else is doing things like that on the Indies. Um, and, uh, you know, I uh, have an opportunity to get that back, a title that uh, is very near and dear to my heart. So still wrestling, you know, still with the Hitmakers, still doing a lot of cool things. We just had a great show at GCW at WrestleMania weekend. I did a moonsault and really, you know, broke the internet. So it was a good time, um, and I'm really grateful for where I am right now. It's funny. We were talking about a little off air. We were saying that people didn't realize you were a wrestler on the indie scene after the NFL before WWE because my buddy who I managed, Preston Quinn, you wrestled him in a great match in Virginia for PCW. People didn't realize you were, you know, you were a wrestler on the indie scene. You, you know, you knew your stuff. Yeah, I never give the credit that I'm due about my uh, wrestling experience. For some reason, people pretend that I don't know how to wrestle. Um, I've never really understood that concept. I uh, started... What happened was when I left the NFL, 
Um, I literally left the NFL while still having job opportunities in the NFL to start wrestling. Um, the Raiders and the Browns both actually reached out to me after I decided to get into professional wrestling and I turned down the offer um, because I just found something that I really love and enjoy doing is working a match in front of a crowd. Like there's no rush like that. I've been on tour and been on stage with guys like Karis one and Wale and all these big time acts and music. And I played in front of, you know, 10 million viewers on Thursday night football, Thanksgiving night against the giants. And, um, you know, I played in Dallas, you know, stadium in front of the Cowboys fans and what is like a mall. There is nothing like performing a professional wrestling match in front of a live audience. It's a thrill and a rush that I can't duplicate. Um, and I've done a lot of really cool things. Like I just mentioned that I, I can't duplicate it. So, um, when I started wrestling, um, I realized that. And because of that, I knew I was going to eventually end up in WWE because anybody who plays in the NFL gets a tryout if they want one. Um, so I knew that I would eventually end up in WWE. So I wanted to actually hone my craft before I got there. And that's how I ended up at PCW wrestling, uh, against Preston Quinn. We had a banger. I did a drop kick, uh, yeah. you know, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. That match was a lot of fun. Um, got the dub as well. You know, crowd on their feet at the end of it. You know, what more can you ask for? Yep. He called it, too. He said he's going to get called up for a tryout. He's definitely going to be in NXT pretty soon. He was right. He nailed it. So. Yeah, he was. And he's a, it's because that guy knows how to do the job. He knows how to do the business. You know what I'm saying? Very true. And it's funny with you, with, you know, just outside of wrestling and really just outside the NFL, you became like you mentioned to me before, kids, you know, I got all these crazy posters here, all my Hulk Hogan stuff and, yeah. you know, Bret Hart and all these other old school guys. You became almost like the poster child for old school WB collectibles because yeah. of the most wanted treasure show on the A&E. Absolutely. And to be honest with you, uh, it's a blessing, um, but it's also a curse because, you know, I get the random DMs on social media. People send me pictures of uh, a poster that they have from 1982 that isn't signed and is probably worth about realistically $25 on, you know, a, a fair marketplace and because it's not signed and it has, it's just a poster. And uh, people are like, how much money do you think I can get for this? And I'm like, uh, do you want a real answer or do you want the answer that will make you feel better about yourself? Right. Do you think that you because of that show and all that stuff, like that your knowledge has increased just on all that stuff or is it just. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I really, to be honest with you, like I know the ins and outs of wrestling history, but like the value of memorabilia and how much something costs and what a fair price is for something, depending on who the person is and all that. I learned all that on the job. Um, I, my first day there, I literally didn't know how much I should bid on an item and I asked the production team, right? Um, by two weeks into filming, I was just doing the bidding myself because I understood the value. You know what I'm saying? I, it didn't take me long to catch on. But, like, at first, honestly, I, I had no idea what some things were worth. Like, to me, and it also always depends on the person because you got guys like me, like, yeah, Ric Flair robe is worth $100,000, right? Okay, right. I agree with that. But to me, 
the the elbow pad the Rock threw in the crowd when uh, he beat John Cena at WrestleMania, to me that should be worth more. But that's just because I love the Rock. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, what I'm so everybody's individual value of something is different as well. So it's it's a real crazy marketplace. Was it awesome getting to hang out with Undertaker and guys like that and like pick their brain, not only for memorabilia stuff, but just for your own wrestling knowledge? Absolutely. I mean, everything you saw with Hit Row, um, I had already been doing on the indies. Like I said, when we got together um, um, on the indies, I was doing it with my crew called The Row. Unfortunately, you didn't get to see The Row in, at PCW because it's hard to get, you know, five music artists and wrestlers to West Virginia for an independent show. So it was just me. But uh, you know, I was already doing it at my home promotion, uh, Sausage Cats Wrestling SCW in Florida. Um, so like I was already running through ideas of with things for that. And then I was literally on the road with these legends like Taker, like Kane, like showing them how I did it on the indies and how I planned to, at the time it was just me to Hootie and Brianna in what we called the Hitmakers, which we are back to now, the Hitmakers, um, before, uh, the show debuted and Triple H decided that he wanted to add Swerve to the crew. Um, and then we obviously became Hit Row. Uh, so, like, it wasn't until, like, you know, we did all, all these different things with the Hitmakers and everything I did with the Row in the Indies. I, I had all that footage and I was literally on the road with these guys like showing Mick Foley and Mark Henry and Booker T and just running ideas by him. Like, what do you think about this? You ever seen anything like this? Da, da, da. And they all loved it. That's how I really knew that I was on to something. Um, you know what I'm saying? And then we ended up having, adding Swerve to the crew after that. And Swerve is, you know, Indy Darling and uh, a long-term veteran in the business and has a built-in fan base himself. So, like, it just made it that much even bigger. You know what I'm saying? Just, you know, so uh, it was it was – really cool what we were able to do. Um, and it was even cooler that I was able to run to all these ideas that I had by these legends. It's pretty awesome. Like to be on that show, but not really be known in WB, but as soon as you're in WB, everyone knows you from that show. You know what I mean? Cause <laughs> that show had grew in popularity and memorability. I, like, I, feel like, I, I feel like hit row was one of the most unique, if not the most unique factions of all time. Like I think that we did some amazing things that nobody else could do, like the championship cipher that we did. Like, no other faction in the history of WWE or any other program could do what we did there. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was one of one. But, like, people come up to me and talk to me about Most Wanted Treasures. Like, they're like, oh, they're like, oh, yeah, I loved what you guys did with Hit Row, but hey, man, what was it like hanging out with Undertaker, man? It was cool. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, Most Wanted Treasures is more over than hit row for sure. I would <laughs> it's weird. Like the collectible market, it just skyrocketed. Even since the yeah. pandemic, it's been bigger and bigger. I mean, the collectible market is just crazy right now. And I think that that show is, was like perfect timing for it. You know what yeah. I mean? And not, not only just perfect timing for it, but it also was like a good show. Like it wasn't like if it was a bad show, but it was about finding Undertaker's, you know, mask and Paul Bear's urn. Wrestling fans will still watch, you know what I'm saying? It was a bad show. Um, but, like, the fact that the show was actually entertaining and put together well, and to be honest with you, like, they only maybe used, like, 10% of the footage that we used. I mean, I'm like, 
Like, I literally would be in the car with Undertaker interviewing him for, like, two hours, and they would use 45 seconds of it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like there's more stuff there that can be used if they want to use that footage, but I'm sure they're going to want to do new people for the next couple seasons. Right, right. Just so cool, like, just the idea and, in, in like, just in actuality. Like, but this is awesome. It's such a cool idea. How did they pick you? Like, did you try out for it? Like, how did you get that role? Honestly, it's a good thing about same thing with WWE, same thing with anywhere in the world. It's who you know. I uh, went to high school with a guy named Tommy Williamson, who's a very good friend of mine, and uh, he's an actor in Hollywood. He's been on The Fosters and many other projects as well. Um, he's he's a good good brother, and uh, he was talking to uh, Kate, who is a uh, she was an associate producer of the show and uh you know the pandemic had just started and they're looking for a host for the show and they can't bring people in to interview them or you know what i'm saying like they just gotta pick somebody and then you know they're coming up with ideas like who can be the host who can be the host and they just happen to be talking one night and she talks about this new show she's doing with wwe and he's like yo you should check out my boy he just signed with wwe um he's hosted television shows for 10 years already because i did like that was another big thing a lot of wrestling fans didn't know like they thought I got the gig because I came from the NFL. Well, actually, I got the gig because I had experience hosting television shows for a decade at that point. By the time they started, you know, I was doing, I was hosting TV shows and doing analyst work on CBS and NBC and, and even going far as back as like University of Maryland closed circuit TV, you know what I'm saying? Like a decade ago. So like when, uh, she she checked out my social media. Kate checked out my social media. She loved me, and so she pitched me to the production team, and they pitched me to the network. And WWE actually didn't want me to get the gig. Um, they were they actually were uh, actively trying to not have me be the host because uh, I hadn't been on TV yet. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, but the network and the production team was like, "Nah, we want him. He's good." And clearly, I showed that I was worth my weight. So. Um, it was a good call by them. And it was, you know, the good thing about that show is that, like, I feel as if, like, what I was able to get out of those superstars in those moments, as well as being able to relate to the fans, because I've been one my whole life, um, I feel like that's hard to replicate. And that's why I feel like my usage on the show was so paramount to, you know, this the success of the I'll say the watchability of the show, for sure. Yeah, you it connected well with all the guys. You knew your stuff. Even when you didn't know stuff, you'd you'd ask them, and they'd figure it out, and, like, you guys work together. Yeah. And a, I'm also not – and I'm, that's team. the thing about me is that, like, I'm not one of these guys that, like – I think I know a lot, and I do know a lot, and I've proven it time and time again. But if I don't know, I'm not going to give you a bullshit opinion just because it's an opinion to be given. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to actually actively ask, and that's what separates me from a lot of people. Yeah, uh, for sure. But I, I just love the the connection you have with the wrestlers too, because they see you, and you're, you're not not a small guy by any means, and they know you're a former NFL player, and you're a trained wrestler. So I mean, the respect factor is there. Yeah, and like like I said, like I had already trained with the Undertaker, um, in at the PC at the time we started filming the show, um, and the coolest moment for me was when I came around the corner on the first day filming, and he knew who I was. Uh, like, cause I trained with him for a day before that, you know what I'm saying? Uh, actually two days before that. Um, but like, you know, there's 20 people in that class and he's also the undertaker. So if he doesn't remember me, I'm not shocked. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So 
when I come around the corner the first day filming and he goes, hey, Jay, what's up? And I'm like, oh, my God, The Undertaker knows who I am. Right? <laughs> so like, that's, but that is the fandom aspect that I was able to bring on camera as well. You know what I'm saying? So that was, that was I think, related a lot to the people watching. And then for the superstars themselves, like, I spent more time talking about football than I did wrestling with, you know, all the guys that we filmed with because they were more, like, they've all wrestled. They've, they're all Hall of Famers. They all have you know, done WrestleMania. They've all done all the things in wrestling. But none of them played in the NFL. So, like, they want to talk to me about that. And to, which to me is funny because I played the NFL and – Unless someone brings it up in casual conversation, I don't even, I never bring it up. You know what I'm saying? It's because, because, because I know what it does to people. As soon as people hear, like, when people stop me and they're like, do you play football? And I'll be like, yeah. And they'll be like, oh, where'd you play? And I'll be like, University of Maryland, which isn't a lie. Okay? It's not a lie. But by saying that, it usually cuts the conversation shorter than if I say, Oh, I played for the Dolphins, the Seahawks, and the now Commanders. Now, of uh, the conversation just got extended in ten times, uh, tenfold. Sorry. So, like, yeah, the a lot of times the NFL is what people really love talking about. Yeah, and it's like instant credibility and respect from WWE guys. Like, oh shit, yeah. this guy's from the NFL. Like, oh shit. Yeah. It also helps that I show up big as a brick house. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your your size doesn't hurt. Yeah. 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 yeah for sure. So just with WB though and SmackDown, I know NXT and Hit Row was such a big success and it was super over. So you guys go to SmackDown. There's a few matches you guys had and you had some vignettes. What happened there, like with SmackDown? How, how, how come it wasn't like a bigger production that wasn't more made out of Hit Row? I honestly just think that they didn't have anything planned for us. I think that the draft happened at a time where they wanted to call people up from NXT and that if you were watching NXT at that time and you were bringing anybody up to the main roster that was a main roster ready act and you didn't bring up hit row, like then what was the point of the draft? You know what I'm saying? So I feel like they had to bring us up. And then when we got there, it was kind of like, they didn't really have plans for us. And um, like, you can see that in multiple different ways. You can see that by how they released us. First of all, you can see that how uh, they released Brianna from the crew before the rest of us. Like, to be honest with you, if you have hit row, and yeah, it's my brainchild, but like everybody added things to it. So like, if you took me from hit row, but you still had Bree, you still had Swerve, you still had Tuli, it would still work. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you took Tuli from hit row, and it was just me, Swerve, and Brianna, it would still work. If you took Swerve from hit row, and it was just me, Tuli, and Brianna, it's what we're doing as the hitmakers. It still works, right? Yep. But when you take, when you take. Brianna out, we're just every three-man group ever. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're just wrestler guys. You know what I'm saying? We're not – she is the separating factor that makes us so different because I, I tell this to her when we were at WrestleCon. From 30 feet away, people are going to see me and be like, look, I want to talk to him about WWE's Most Wanted Treasure Insurance. That's top dollar. I want to talk to him. You know what I'm saying? But from 100 feet away – they see that beautiful woman that's standing in front of the table, right? Yeah. And then when they get closer, they realize who it is. And I was like, oh, damn, I really need to go over there. You know what I'm saying? Brianna is – Brianna brings the eyes. Like, that's – when she is on camera, there is nobody that looks like her. There is nobody that acts like her. There's nobody that can talk like her. She is special. That's why I tell her all the time, she'd be mad at me. I'd be like, look. When we do the hitmakers, 
when we do these matches, you don't got to bump. You don't got to do nothing. You just come there looking as fly as you do, talk on the mic, being fly. Me and Tahulio do all all the bumping. You know what I'm saying? That's not what, that's not what we need you for. She'd be like, man, shut up. I'm going to get these bumps in. I need to win the title. I'm like, all right, respect. <laughs> you know, I ain't going to stop you. You know what I'm saying? But that's what, like, so, like, when they let her go, it was just like, wow. Like, we were still going to carry on, but real rap, we was like, man, this is, we, we ain't no different than anybody else now. You know what I'm saying? So, like, and you can also see it in the fact that, like, we never had a consistent thing. Like, we first, the first thing we did, we were against jobbers, right? We were against local talent, and they did a great job. Shout out them. And then this next week, we go do a uh, backstage thing with the New Day, and they're like, yeah, we're going to try to work you guys in with the New Day, do some cool things with the New Day. And Xavier's pitching it. You know, Xavier's like, yeah, I want to yeah, I want to have you guys help me make my new song, and then we can, like, work an angle in there and all that, because he was changing the song because of the King of the Ring, right? So we're like, hell yeah, we're down to work with the New Day. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, why wouldn't we want to be working with the New Day, right? So then the week after that, it was like, all right, you guys are going to do uh, backstage and in front of the audience segment with Sami Zayn. We're like, what happened to this stuff with the New Day? Well, it doesn't matter. Sami Zayn is great. You know what I'm saying? We, like, love working with Sami Zayn, and working with him was amazing, and he's one of the best to do it. And uh, he helped me with so many ideas, too, uh, for that segment. Um, so, like, um, shout out him. I loved what we did with him. And it was his idea because, you know, when I come into – you come into the main roster, you're not trying to rub people the wrong way on the roster. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, give a damn about – some suits, but like the boys in the locker room, like I'm not, I'm trying to make it cool with them. So like we got a promo segment uh, with Sammy Zane and I, my idea is to end it with Sammy sucks, right? To get the tri- crowd to chant Sammy sucks. But I'm like, mm, I don't want to, my first promo with Sammy Zane into saying Sammy sucks. I don't want him to take that the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? So I take it out. Right. And Sammy, being a consummate professional, when we put it when we put it all together, Sammy's like, "I like why you ended it, but what if you ended it with Sammy sucks?" And I was like, "You know what? That's a great idea." <laughs> you know, like, I, I was like, "That's a great idea, Sammy." You know what I'm saying? You are yeah. a genius. I, I appreciate you, right? So, like, you know, we do that the next week after that. That was fun. And then uh, the week after that, um, they're like, "All right, now you're gonna do something with Jinder Mahal." I'm like, okay, all right. So there's no real direction here. Like, what are we, what are we doing? Like, okay, all right, whatever. You know, backstage segment. We knocked it out easily. One take. It was done. Great segment. You know what I'm saying? And then the next week after that, we got released. So we're like, okay, well, there was just nothing ever really down the line for us. Wow, just crazy. Like they, they, they give you a thought. They think you're headed in one direction. You go another, and then it's different the next week. Yeah. Very, very helter skelter. The writing. Yeah, I mean, and when you're, it's not, it's not really the writing. It's more like if when you get up there, man. If you're not a top person that they have to account for, like we would have been, like we should have been, like we could have been, um, like you like they don't have plans for you like you come to television not knowing what you're gonna do and yeah sometimes you know even guys like the usos or roman they get to tv and they don't know what they're gonna do until they get there but like they got long-term plans that they know where things are going if you're not one of those top guys and deservedly so like i say roman roman currently has the greatest wrestlemania track record 
of like big high profile main events like ever. Nobody wants to talk about that. But how many main events does Roman Reigns have in the WrestleMania? Six or seven, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about it, right? So only only guy more than him is Hogan. <laughs> thank you. That's rarefied air, right? So yep. Like, yeah, he should know what the hell he's doing every week. You know what I'm saying? He deserves it. But if you're not a top guy, like, you come to TV with no idea what you're doing. Or if you're being used at all. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you, you don't really know. Um, and it's just – that's just that their business model. That's how they like to operate. Um, so, like, if that's what they want to do, then that's up to them. But, like, I know for a fact that, like, if we could have gotten a – all right, this is what we want to do. We would have had given them 10 million ideas. Like the promo that we did, the debut promo we did before we beat up the local talent in Kansas. Like we wrote that promo in my living room at 2 a.m. like two weeks earlier and sent the video to the writing team. Like this is the promo we want to do as a hello promo. And that was exactly the promo that we did when we came out, like we were take, we did the same thing on NXT. We took care of ourselves. People want to say, man, Hit Row came off as authentic and real. It's because it was, it was us. It was nobody else but us. It was them telling us this is where the camera's going to be. But after that, it was us creating that entire thing. The look, the moves, the song, everything was us. You know what I'm saying? So like the, the catchphrases, all that, the promos, everything was us, man. So like, I don't know how you can see that. And there's so many times where they say, man, we want people to go out and prove that they're undeniable. Well, we did. Like, we proved we were undeniable because no one can say that they help us create anything with Hidrail. And it was so over that it was the fastest call-up ever in the history of NXT, right? So, like, clearly we did what the hell we were supposed to be doing. So, uh to them for us to be released it was like yeah they never had uh, they never had plans for us that's the literal only answer were you just absolutely shocked by the release were like were you floored by it i honestly wasn't shocked by our release after they released brianna once they once they released brianna i was like oh okay well they don't know what they have here like it's obvious so they're probably i wouldn't be surprised if we got released too and then a week a week or two weeks later i think we got released so like you know what I'm saying? Like I was after Brianna, I was not, after Brianna got released, I was not shocked about anything. Cause it was like it's not just the fact that like, you know, it was explained to us like, oh, well, you know, you know, there's four of you for one act. And we're like, why is it when there's other factions, they're not seen as one act when they're put all throughout the show with different members? Why is it just the four rappers are just one act though? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. why is that the case? You know what I'm saying? Like, Brianna could work anybody in the women's division. Any of the three of us can work a, a tag match. Me and Swerve, me and Tahuti, Tahuti and Swerve. All three of us can work a six-man tag. All of us can work an eight-man intergender. All three of the dudes can work singles matches. So how can we just be one act? You know what I'm saying? Like, that was what was lost on me. But it's not my call to make. And, uh, you know, when they released Brianna, it was just the writing was on the wall to me. It was like, well, if Brianna is not important to them, then nobody is. 
Yeah, true. So as we hit the wind down, we head towards the finish. Obviously, the release, you know, obviously it was a mistake and all, all this other stuff. I mean, we, we talked about how maybe they didn't have the plans or the right forethought or whatever you want to say going forward. But what about the hit makers? What's kind of what's next? What do you envision for them next? Uh, we are currently in talks with a lot of different people. We just want to do what's right for us. Um, you know, we know what we bring to the table. We know that everybody saw Hit Row and nobody else can duplicate it, right? So it can't be it can't be remade. Um, Swerve is off doing his own thing and more power to him. I wish him all the best. I hope he, you know, gets $20 billion. I really hope that he succeeds. But like I said, I was we were doing the Hitmakers, you know, before Swerve was part of the crew and we became Hit Row. And I was doing Hit Row, I was doing The Row before I added Brianna and Tahuti to become the Hitmakers. So like this, the music record label faction idea that clearly was executed to a T is still here. And it's not going nowhere as long as I got air in my lungs. Right. So like, but the thing is, we're not, we're not going to sit here and pretend that we're going to come out for a hot dog and a handshake. Like if you want the best, you got to be ready to get the best. Um, We feel like every, we don't feel like every show that we go to, whether it's NXT SmackDown, GCW, MCW, it doesn't matter. By the time we leave the ring, the people are standing on their feet and clapping, right? So, like, I would like to have that stand on the record versus anybody. I mean, let's keep it 100. So, I'm saying we we can bring something special to anybody's table, and we're more than willing to eat, but we're not going to eat crumbs. That's just not how we're going to do it. Anywhere specific you want to work? Any like any like you haven't worked yet that you'd like to work in the future? When that, when you say specific, yes and no. For example, um, we will all want to go to Japan. We all want to go to Mexico, but like New Japan, all Japan, you know, either one works. You know what I'm saying? Like Mexico, obviously AAA would be awesome, but you know, anywhere in Mexico works too. Like we are more than willing to to go places and travel and the thing is like all of us are doing things outside of wrestling you know what i'm saying so that's why it's such a big deal when we come together because when you know brianna lives in columbia and tahuti is acting and doing a lot of stuff in atlanta and i'm obviously doing excuse me i'm obviously doing music and tv analyst work and i'm actually in the process of making a documentary about my pro um fifa team um so like I got a lot that I'm working on too. So if you want us to come and be uh, uh, a pillar of your show, we're more than willing to, but it's got to make sense. Like it's just got to make sense. That's all. Now, before we let you go, where can everybody find you and and find what you're doing as far as social media and everything else? Uh, Yeah. You can do it right here on this little tag right here. Hold on. There it is. At AJ Francis 410. It's all social media. Uh, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, uh, video games, uh, whatever. If you can type in YouTube, if you can type in at AJ Francis 410, I promise you it's going to come up. So um, you can check me out on all social media there. Um, and yeah, be ready. I am excited to get an opportunity back at the Sausage Castle Wrestling Championship, a title that, like I said, I took on national television multiple times. Um, I am ready to show people that only saw me as 
the bigger guy in hit row because they didn't know any better realize what's really at play here. And uh, I'm excited for that. And hey, the, the hidden treasures, the uh, most wanted treasures, very rewatchable. So you were great on there very, as well as the very yeah. rewatchable. And I'm still under contract, so we got to talk about that too. You understand? Like, oh, contract still under contract. I got that's a completely different contract. I thought it was dumb. I said, why are you make me sign a different contract to do? To, you, you should just be added to my WWE money. They was like, no, we need a different contract. Well, now thankfully I have one. So uh, wow, I didn't realize. Should have mentioned that. I just figured it was so you know tied in together. Oh, so you could you could do season two technically. I mean, I'm planning on doing it. I ain't nobody called me and told me that my contract is being paid out. So I'm planning on doing season two and season three. Um, but you know, like I said, business is business. We got to figure that out. That's a great, great damn show. Uh, I love it, and would love seeing you on it. So hopefully. A&E, Season 2 and 3 of WWE's Most Wanted Treasures. That'd be awesome. Yeah, appreciate you. Thank you, AJ. Thank you for all the time. Appreciate it. No problem, bro. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother.